Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. This morning we are concluding our uh, Basic Christian Doctrine series. Uh, we're going to double dip uh, this morning. We're going to look at two um, uh, doctrines, the, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment uh, this morning. They kind of go hand in hand, um, kind of all around the, sun, the same time and premise and all of those things. Um, but we're, we t- we've taken all of our core scriptures from Hebrews 6, 1 through 2. So we're going to start off there. Uh, this morning, I'm going to give you a lot of scripture because I really want to make sure that we're establishing what we're talking about in scripture. But let's look at Hebrews 6, 1 and 2. In the King James Version, it says, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ. How many of you know when it says, therefore, leaving these principles, it says, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God or doctrines of baptisms or end of laying on of hands and of the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. So th- these are the fundamental basics. This is the bedrock, the foundation of our faith. Everything else should be established on these. So th- th- a lot of these concepts, they're not rocket science, but they are important to understand that we've wrapped our mind around them where we know uh, the basics of what God is talking about. So um, we're going to look at this morning, resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. So we've really already covered the gamut of the Christian faith where we looked at first and foremost, repentance from dead works, which means anything that we are doing to earn our salvation, we need to repent from that. Uh, There's no way, uh, it's only through the blood of Jesus, accepting him as the free gift that we can receive anything of merit uh, to to welcome us into heaven. So we need to repent from any self-righteous works. Um, Then we need to turn our faith towards God. It says without faith, it's impossible to please God. You can't actually even come to God without faith in Jesus. And then we have to understand following that faith uh, of choosing Jesus. You know, there's the doctrine about baptisms. So baptisms talks about water baptism. I commissioned you guys. Last week, if you haven't been baptized and you're a follower of Jesus, what are you waiting for? Come on with it. If we can't be obedient to that, what else will we be disobedient to, right? It's just a simple instruction. But he didn't stop there um, because it says baptisms in the plural form. So we have water baptism, but we also have baptism of the Holy Spirit. And with that, all the supernatural gifts. And how is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? How was it imparted? How was it gift- gifted to the life of the believer? Glad you asked. Laying on of hands. It, was, it says through the elders, the leaders, they laid their hands on. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, so last week we talked about the, the doctrine of laying on of hands. Um, And then through all of these things happening, I believe that we come to that saving faith. We get all the spiritual, supernatural gifts that we need to be successful in this life. And then it's up to us to determine what we do, where we place our faith in, the choices we make. And that is going to determine what happens at the resurrection of the dead and and at an eternal judgment that's going to happen at the very, very end. So we'll look at that in scripture in just a moment. But here's what I really want to make sure that you take away this morning. If we look at Hebrews 9. 27 and 28. It says, just as people are destined to die once and then after that to face judgment. So we have to understand this is the picture of life, right? Everybody was born, right? You're here. We know that death is inevitable. It's going to happen. Either Jesus is going to come back before it happens or we're going to live, leave this, this life. And then it says we're, we're all destined to die once. And then after that to what? Face 
judgment. Okay, This is not my opinion. This is not what I want. This is what God says. So we are going to face judgment. Verse 28, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So when Jesus comes back, he's not going to commission us once again, repent, trust in me. He, he's not coming back to provide a way to heaven, but he's already done that. What he's going to do when he comes back this next time is he is going to take those who are his sons and daughters, and they're going to be welcomed into heaven. But those who do not know him, there's going to be a judgment. And that judgment is not going to be maybe what we think. But we need to be warned as far as what scripture says. So let you know, eternal judgment is a good thing for those that know God. It is a bad thing for those who don't know God. So we have to understand that this morning. I don't want you to leave uh, this place this morning not knowing or uh, how many of you, if you could tell the future, it would determine what you do now. Think about it. Like if you could tell the future and you know the best stock, man, if you would have known Google was going to be Google before Google was Google. How many of you have invested some stock in Google, right? Absolutely. If we know what's coming, we can prepare now for the future. So that, that's going to be uh, in some of the framework of this message. I hope that you're well informed as far as what the future is going to hold um, and what we're going to deal with and the choices we make and all of those things uh, in regards to resurrection and eternal judgment. Okay, so we have to understand Jesus is alive and well and he is coming back. Okay, um, the resurrection and the eternal judgment are inevitable for all humanity. You can't avoid it. You can't say, well, I'm, j I'm just going to try to kind of escape it. So this is a fate that all of us will have. So we have to be confident this morning of the coming resurrection of, of Jesus because Jesus raised from the dead. That means that we will resurrect also after this life. So let's look at this passage. Um, this week, I want to give you some homework. Um, just write down 1 Corinthians 15. I would love for you to read that whole chapter this week. So what I'm going to do this morning, we're just going to cover parts of the text just because I don't want to read the whole chapter uh, just for the sake of time. But I want us to, we're going to look at some of it this morning, but I want you to really read it in its context so that you can get a good understanding of what it is. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 8. And then I'm going to continue to move down that passage as we continue to communicate to you this morning. But it says in verse 1, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. So this is the fundamentals. This is the basic. Verse 2, By this gospel you are saved. So if I pause right there, I need to know by what gospel I'm saved. What does it involve? What does it communicate? Um, but it says, If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I receive, I pass on to you as the first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. That's the first part. Verse four, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scripture and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12. After that, he appeared to many, to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom um, are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared all to me also as to one abnormally born. So uh, when we understand this, you know, that we, we as Christians have hope because through the resurrection life, it also ensures that we will have resurrection life, life and power and future is given to us. So um, understand this scripture validates that Jesus did what he did. Now, how many of you have ever heard of a fisherman's story? Right? How big was the fish you caught? 
oh man, you know, uh, based on the perspective, you know, like it can look really big and you can get a little fish and get the camera real small and it looks real big, right? Um, but, but sometimes what, what really proves the fact of the size of the fish sometimes? I want to see it with my eyes. I want you to put it, how many, what do people do all the time? They put a measuring tape, right? Unless they've fabricated a fake measuring tape, which guess what? None of your fishermen are going to work that hard, right? So they put the fish up to the measuring stick and then you see what it is and it adds validity to the fact of the size of the fish. Just like all of these people seeing Jesus after resurrection validates that he raised from the dead. There was too many people that experienced. There was too many people that saw it. There was, it just, it validated who he was. So the testimony of the witnesses of Jesus' resurrection, we have to understand that is a big deal. Because let's, guess what? If all of us have seen something that happened, how many of you know that adds credibility? What if I only saw it? I mean, you probably would take my word for it because I'm a pastor, but someone would be like, oh man, I don't know about that. But if there was hundreds of us that saw the same thing, no, listen, we saw it with our own eyes. We experienced, we saw it. It adds validity. It, it adds factual substance to the equation that understanding that Jesus didn't just say he resurrected from the dead, he proved it and then he revealed himself to many, many people. So this testimony of Jesus, it was a big deal. It validated and it proved that Jesus truly was the son of God and that he had victory and power over death, hell, and the grave. Right, this, this, is, this is the resurrection power of Jesus. This is the power of the Holy Spirit releasing power in his life to come back from the dead. So Jesus' victory over death also ensures our victory over death. It guarantees our confidence in the coming resurrection of all. In John eleven twenty three 23 through 26, this is the story of Lazarus. And in verse 23, Martha says, says Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anytime that Jesus tells you who he is, it's important to pay attention to who he says he is. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Verse 26, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then there's a question, do you believe this? That's where we're at today. Do you believe that Jesus raised from the dead just like he said? Do you believe that, that resurre resurrection power is in, 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 in the power of the Holy Spirit? Now we have to understand, many religions believe in an afterlife. They believe in a resurrection of some kind, but it's not just a hope in an afterlife to where you're going to be like this ghostly being or this disembodied spirit, um, but you are a person who has hope that you will be physically resurrected, right? It means that you are going to have a new life after life, after death, right? So we're going to be resurrected. Even the Bible says that when Jesus resurrected from the dead, there was a doubter in the crowd and he said, I will not believe unless I see the scars in his hands and the wounds on his back and the holes in his feet. And you know, it actually says that Jesus revealed his body and you could see the scars in his physical body. Right? So we know that it was the same Jesus, but yet the one that was dead was now alive. So it is the hope of a new life, of a resurrected life, of a new life after life after death. We really, really die, but we really, really resurrect. Why? Because Jesus was resurrected from the dead. So let's continue to look at these passages from 1 Corinthians 15. Let's look at 12 through 14. Verse 12, it says, but if, I, if, if it is... 
If it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can someone, some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. Verse 14, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is our faith. Now, we, we have to realize if we take resurrection out of the equation of the gospel, it changes everything. Right? If Jesus is still in the grave, if he is dead and buried and he never resurrected, like, you know what that means? That we are without hope, that there is no resurrection. But we know that he raised from the dead. Let's look at verse 16. What does it say? If, for if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. Look, verse 20, this is where he begins to shift gears. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Let me say that one more time. Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Let's keep going down verse 42. In verse 42, and it says, so it will be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown perishable will be raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it will be raised in glory. It is sown in weakness and it is, will be raised in power. It is sown as a natural body, it will be raised as a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. So we have to understand the two work together that when, when, when our life is over, our bodies will be resurrected by the power of God working in and through us and we'll get a new body. You know, I don't know what it's going to be like. You know, I'm thankful for it, that there'll be no sickness, there'll be no disease, there'll, no be, there'll be no deteriorating or breaking down. How many of you, your body's starting to fail you a little bit? You'll wake up in the morning sore and aching and you have no clue what you did, but all you did was fall asleep and you woke up hurting. Anybody ever stretched and pulled a muscle? Like, come on. Like, it's like, what is this body doing? This is not, but we have to understand this body that we live in was built and made not to live forever, but to be temporary. But the temporary body is just the shell, the housing of the spirit. We have to understand that our spirit is alive and active. It's kind of the core of who we are. But what it's talking about is that this body is going to die, but it will resurrect one day with, with its form and its fashion. And, but we'll be able to notice each other. Notice that Jesus was, he, he, they knew who he was. Wouldn't be like, man, I don't know who this joker is now. I'll tell you what, you go back to your 20s, you may look a little different. Because I really think that our bodies are going to be glorified in a way. Man, it's going to be good. Never get tired, never get weary. And that new body is going to be built for an eternal purpose. It's going to be built for an eternity, not, not, not a body that is supposed to be short-lived. And we have to understand that, you know, God's original plan was that we would live forever and dwell in fellowship with him. And then sin entered the world and all sickness and disease and all of these things happened. Our days were numbered, right? All of these things, you know, we know that, you know, man is accredited a certain amount of time to live and a certain amount of time that that, that time is up. Um, but nonetheless, in that resurrection, in that change, everything changes. Let's look at verse 51. Keep rolling through that chapter 15. It says, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. Verse 52, in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed. Now, how many of you in the morning you set an alarm clock? How many of you know them alarm clocks sometimes good enough to resurrect the dead? Right? How many of you hit that snooze multiple times so you're like giving yourself like cardiac arrest multiple times in the morning? You said it just long enough to go right back and then, oh, you do it to yourself, right? So that's kind of what's going to happen. When the trumpet blast happens, your fate is sealed. 
There's no chance to say, give me, I'm going to snooze, Lord, just for a little bit. When he shows up, the time is over. It is the time of resurrection. It is a time of celebrating for those who, who know him. But there is also some dire straits ahead for those who don't know him. And we have to understand the reality of what eternal judgment is. But there is going to be a resurrection. It says we will be changed. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18, it says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. The dead in Christ will rise first, and after that we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. So at that moment, we get to learn how to fly. How in the world does that happen? It's a spiritual body. It's not a physical body. Everything begins to change. You know, if you read in scripture, Jesus would just show up after his resurrection, right? The doors would be locked and they would be praying and bam, he would just show up. He just walked through, walked through the door and just immediately show up. Man, how does that happen? He already had his glorified body. It had changed. It's no longer bound by time. It's no longer bound by being able to walk through a doorway or, you know, jump through a window. It doesn't have to do that anymore. We see it completely changed, but we see that we will be caught up. The dead in Christ will rise first, and then we, those who are alive will be caught up with him. And so we will be with the Lord how long? Forever. Now that forever is forever. Right? It's not just, well, till we get tired of it. And then verse 18 says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. So forever is another way of saying eternally. It's for all eternity. Okay? So we have this promise. We have this guarantee of the resurrection. Why? Because Christ himself was indeed raised from the dead. And then Hebrews 9, 7, verse says, and then after that, we are all to face a judgment. So it's exciting to know that we'll be raised back to life, but we have to look at this last final doctrine because if we don't pay attention to the eternal judgment, we might miss it. We might be so excited for this resurrection that we will be resurrected and our destination may not be what we want. It may not be the place. It may be a place we knew nothing about. So let's look at this. So in order to understand eternal judgment, let's break down what this word really means. Let's look at the word eternal. So eternal means lasting or existing forever without end or beginning. So time as we know it kind of ceases to exist when we talk about eternal. Um, it's, it's forever. Like it's no beginning, no end Lasting and existing forever. Judgment, you know, is a decision made as to whether you are innocent or guilty. This is really what the Bible calls the final judgment, where we will be judged according to what we've done, what we haven't done, if we're guilty or if we're innocent. So understand that the choices made in this lifetime will determine the outcome of your life forever. That's why what we do here and now matters. That, that's why what we do today, what we choose today in this moment matters because it is gonna, it's going to establish and it's going to set where we will spend eternity. All right, Revelations 2, 12 through 15. It says, look, I am coming soon, exclamation point. Now that's kind of like a, hey, I'm coming soon and my reward is with me. It, it, is, it is an urgent Word. It is an urgent command. I'm coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. Verse 13 I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. 
Verse 15, outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexual immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Now, as we start talking about eternal judgment, God really always does a good job kind of separating that which is righteous deeds and those things that are wicked. Now, I don't like lists, but God always uses lists, right? He gives you the list of what is acceptable or what is unacceptable. You know why he gives you that list? Because those lists will nail you to the wall. There's no way to compromise them. There's no way to justify them. You know if you are guilty or you know if you're innocent. Even a variation of a sin is still a sin. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what my opinion. God readily makes sure that we understand what sin is and what righteousness is. So we're stuck in between righteousness or lawlessness. But how do we know what that is? We look at God's word. What God calls right is right. What God calls wrong is wrong. And that's what we're going to be judged by. It's, it's not like, you know, like he tells us how to get to heaven. If we don't go through the right door, then we may not make it in. Okay. So we have to understand that God is all about separating, but he's communicating. So we have to understand that God was there in the beginning. Well, guess what? God is going to be there at the end also. When we talk about this final judgment, Matthew 16, 27, it says, for the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels. So this is the same wordage. He's going to come down. He's going to show up. And then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Right? So we know as disciples of Christ, as fathers of, uh, uh, followers of Jesus, there's going to be a reward for what we did for the kingdom of God. 2 Corinthians 5.10 it says, for we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Who must appear before the judgment seat of Christ? Well, can my mom go with me? Nope. Right, this is going to be a one-on-one -on, -one on trial between you and the living God. And it says that we will all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body. Here, this side of heaven, right? While here in the body, whether good or bad. So we have to understand that once our time stamp is over, there is nothing else that you can do to, to earn, to say, Lord, give me just five more minutes. Give me just another moment. And there are some religions that believe that, well, once they die, we can pray a little bit more and maybe God will be merciful and we can pray them into heaven. Notice it says what they do while done in the body. Once you die, you're no longer in this body, right? Your spirit kind of is removed from the body until the resurrection and then you're reunited with that glorified body, but you no longer have time. The time is up. What you do here and now in this life with the breath in your lungs, the time that you have left will determine the course of your destiny. But notice that that passage, it says, what is due us? What is owed? Um, how many of you have ever had somebody pay for your meal? Right, it's kind of cool, right? You, 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 you purchased it, you were, you were ready to pay that debt of what you took or what you bought or what you ate, and then you show up and the bill is paid in full. Now, we have to understand that kind of sin is like that, right? We have to understand that in life, we have accrued a debt of sin, and if that sin is not paid for, we are guilty of that sin, 
right? Guilty. Put, put guilty across your forehead. You are guilty in your sin. But there is somebody that came that loved you unconditionally that died on a cross for your sins so that he could remove that guilt and release forgiveness. And that was Jesus. But we have to understand that each of us are going to receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Now, think about this just for a moment. Um, unbelief does not change the reality of the absolute truth of God's word. So what that means is choosing not to believe in the judgment of Christ will not allow me to avoid that judgment. It's like trying to close my eyes and cover my ears and be like, I'm going to pretend it's not there. It doesn't change the reality of you will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Right? I'm going to pretend it's not there. I'm going to pretend it's not there. Guess what? It's going to be there. And you're going to give an account for what you've done or what you haven't done. So in this life, you've been given a chance to accept or deny Christ. Understand, not choosing is to reject Christ. A lot of people are like, wow, you know, God's cool, right? You know, he wouldn't send me to sin. He wouldn't send me to hell on my own merit. And, you know, he's kind of a, he loves us that much that he wouldn't do that, would he? We have to understand who God is. God is, is, is merciful, which means he does not want to punish sin. He's provided a way to forgive and to cover those sins through Jesus, but he's also just. How many of you, if somebody commits a crime, thinks that they should pay that punishment for that crime? Make it as personal as you want. Think about the worst case situation. Oh, they need to get what they deserve. We want to do that, right? What's the same way? We get what we deserve unless we have been covered in mercy. Mercy is really receiving something we don't deserve by the price of somebody paying for that sin. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no, forgi there is no forgiveness. So we can rest on this mercy side being covered by Jesus or we can stay on this just God side of where he's going to give us full-fledged what we deserve. You know, it's crazy to me that I think a lot of times we feel like it's just the big sins that will send us to hell. Sin is sin to God. Anybody ever lied, but you didn't get caught about it? You didn't get caught, but you lied. That's a violation of God's commands. You can go to hell for one lie, just like you can go to hell, hell for like the biggest sins that you can wrap your mind around. Sin is sin. And a just, God, a just God has to give you punishment and, and sentence you based on what you've done. Okay? So we have to understand that. Like, we can't avoid it. We can't get away from it. But not choosing Christ, staying neutral, is choosing to reject Christ. Matthew 10, 32 through 33, it says, Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. So we're going to stand before this righteous judge. God, through his word, he has told us what is required to ensure that we will be welcomed into his kingdom. We have to understand that Jesus is the only way to enter God's kingdom. Jesus is the gate to the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 7, 13 through 14, it says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Now, this scripture always caught me off guard because I thought heaven was going to be full of tons of people. Why would not everybody accept Jesus and ensure their, their eternal judgment and ensure their place in heaven? But this scripture says many, many people will be laud, uh, led down the wide road that leads to what? Destruction. 
It says only a few will find the narrow gate. But I pray today (laughs) you kind of focus on the narrow gate. You kind of focus on the way to get in. You can't jump the fence. You can't dig underneath. You can't jump over the top. There's only one way in. John 14, 6, it says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we have to understand, Jesus is the gate. He's the doorway. He's the only way in. In Matthew 25, 31 through 46, there's a parable about the sheep and the goats. Now, I'm not going to talk about the whole parable, but I want to highlight part of it. But it says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All of the nations will be gathered before him. So this is not like, hey, he's just going to call Harvest Time Church and say, all right, you guys come here. He is going to gather all of the nations of the world, every person. He's going to gather them together. And it says he will begin to separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. It says that he will put the sheep on the right and he will put the goats on the left. Okay, so there's going to be a sifting. There's going to be a separating, um, you know, and he's going to measure based on those who are his and those who are not his. But it says to those on his right, this is talking about the sheep of God, those who are his. It says, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. That's a good day. That, that, that's, that's the place that we want to be. We want to be on that side of being God's and being welcomed in, into his house. But it says, on his left to the goats, he said, depart from me, you who are cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, let me pause there just for a moment. Understand, he says, eternal fire prepared for who? The devil and his angels. So I want you to pause just for a moment. When you think God is a cruel God who is sending people to hell, his his motive and his agenda of creating hell was never prepared for us. But it was prepared for the devil and his fallen angels as a holding place because they had chosen to be like God. They had chosen sin. They they had tried to make themselves equal to God and that's who it was created for. Now guess what? When we reject God... That becomes the place where we go. When we don't choose God, that that is the alternative. Those who don't know God, it says, away from me, uh, you who are cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. That is a bad day. I don't want to get to that place and say, wow, I wish I would have known it was going to end up like this. Man, I wish I would have known I had a choice. I hope this morning that you realize you still have a choice and you still got time. The moment you leave this world and and your heart beats its last beat and your lungs breathe its last breath, your fate is sealed. And then at the end, you will give an account for being his or not being his. And then if you're his, there's rewards for those who know God. I want us to look at that in just a moment because I think that's important to pay attention to. But then it says to those on his, on his left, he's talking about the goats. He says, then, then he will say, go away from me to eternal punishment. What does that word eternal mean? Forever. Eternal punishment. But to the righteous, to eternal life. So I got eternal punishment and I have eternal life. Now, we have to understand eternal punishment, this is the most horrific 
position we could ever be in. I hear people joke about it all the time. Say, well, I'm just going to go to hell. Hopefully it won't be that bad. You know, I'm going I'm to stir up the flames in hell. Because, I mean, like, like it's just this, not, not this bad, horrible place. It is a place of outer darkness, a place of complete separation from the presence of God. Torment for the rest of your life. It's not a good thing. It's not a funny thing. It grieves my heart when people are okay that they're going to go to hell and they're like, ooh, wow, well, devil's going to save me a place. I've heard it. I'm like, dear God, let us come to our senses of understanding what that really is like. Because that place was prepared for the devil and his angels. It's not going to be a good place. It's going to be horrible. Let your mind wander on that for a little bit if you want to. I mean, if you really want to think like, man, how bad? Man, it's horrible. So we have eternal punishment, which means punishment forever, or eternal life, which means good life, life more abundantly forever and ever. So um, let, let me help you. For Christians, it's not going to be a judgment based on salvation because we're already saved. Uh, and it's not even going to be based on a, a sin thing because the blood of Jesus has covered us from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. But what we are going to be held accountable to as believers is once we, was, we received Jesus, what did we do with what he gave us? You're like, how do you know that, Pastor? Well, there's a parable that talks about the talents. He gave one ten, he gave one five, and he gave one one. The one that was faithful with 10, he said, hey, man, you've done a great job. Uh, you multiplied those things. Hey, welcome into eternity. What are we talking about eternity? Eternal life, okay? The one with five multiplied. The one with one said, hey, I knew that you were a cruel master reaping and sowing where you don't work for. And I mean, whatever, what it is, a misconception of who God really is. So you don't do anything. You don't think there's any consequences. Why work? Like it doesn't really matter. It's not mine. I'm not, I'm just, I'm going to live for myself. I'm going to do whatever I want. And then when the master shows up to give an account, the thing that was not multiplied was judged by, and he said, away from me. And he took the one and he gave the one to the one that had 10. So God is going to test what we do. But as a, as a believer, we are accountable to what we do with the time we've been given. What are you doing with your gifts and your abilities? And, you know, I was talking to somebody between services. He said, man, I got a whole bunch of thoughts on judgment and all of these things. I said, I'll tell you one thing. I know it's based on multiplying what you have. How many of you feel like if you have one and you just don't lose it, you kind of did okay? I didn't lose it, Lord. Here it is. But he was not satisfied with that. I really believe that disciples will begin to multiply what they have been given. You don't, you know, you, should, you shouldn't stay where you started in every area of your life. Well, you know, I only drink once, but like, uh, you know, it used to, you know, hopefully it's getting better. I'm as drunk as I've always been. Like, come on. Like, that's what we're doing. I'm, I'm addicted as I've always been. Like, where is the change? Where is the fruit? Where is the multiply? Where is the change in your life? But as a follower of Jesus, there should be fruit. There should be things in our life that model that which is rooted and grounded in Christ. God's not asking for perfection, but he's asking for progress. I think about that all the time. It's like, Lord, you know, I feel like you've given me a lot of responsibility. And Lord, I, I feel like, man, what if I don't use or I don't, I don't thrive to my full ability of what he's called me to? It's not going to be based on what the person next to you did. It's going to be based on what you did. But nonetheless, you'll make it to heaven. You know, I, I see a lot of people, what they do, they, they, uh, they, get, they get eternal fire insurance. 
What I mean by that is like, oh, I'm going to receive Jesus, and here's the line, and I made it in, but I didn't keep moving forward. I didn't grow, and you know, nonetheless, will you make it to heaven? Absolutely. But to re- reap the rewards that heaven talks about, we need to put in the, the, the work that is going to get us those eternal rewards and um, talk about crowns in heaven and all of the things, uh, the rewards of what we've done while in the body, okay? Um, but it says over and over again, we're going to get what, what, you know, it's going to be based on what we did, whether good or whether bad. Um, so what about for the unbeliever? For the unbeliever, it is going to be a judgment based on unbelief. That's the first thing you're going to get cracked for. Like you did not believe in Jesus. You did not pay, put your faith in Jesus. And you know what happens if the blood doesn't cover that sin? Guess what? You're held accountable to the sins. So now you're beginning to be judged according to the sin that was in your life. And what if the sins that I've done are multiplied in hell? Man, think about that. Because if it's not covered, I'm guilty. Based on the severity of what I've done is the consequence of what I've done, right? If you do not that bad things, it's not that bad, but guess what? You're still in hell. (laughs) If you do really, really bad things, perhaps just the debt and the reward of, of hell is just as significant, but in the wrong direction, right? Do you ever think about that? Like, man, like, I know that there will be those who really, really accomplish great things for God, but I think there's going to be those too who have really paved a road of destruction to where there will be consequence for those choices, a separating from God's presence. Um, but your, your eternal home is going to be determined by what you did or failed to do in this lifetime. Um, it will be based on, did you place your faith in Jesus or did you reject him? It's that simple. All right, let's look at this real quick, this parable from Luke 16, 19 through 27. So this is a story about a rich man and um, Lazarus. It says, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus covered with sores and longed to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. This is a bad dude. I mean, this is a bad situation. This is like lowest of the low. Um, And then what happens in verse 22, they both die. It says, then the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's site. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, there, 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 there he was in torment, He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So in verse 24, so he called out to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus just to dip his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. Okay, so we we, we pause right there to realize he is in agony, he is in excruciating pain. He went to a not so good place, okay? Verse 25, but Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, this is what I really, really want us to pay attention to. Between us and you, there is a great chasm that has been set in place so that those who want to go from here cannot, uh, from here to you, you cannot, nor can anyone cross over there to us. So this is what I was talking about. Once it's over, there is no getting back to heaven or there's no limbo. There's no purgatory. There's no, well, perhaps, you know, God would be gracious. There is a chasm of separation at the end of your life. And who you knew 
or who you didn't know will determine where you go. It's up to you. It's up, it's up to us to, to determine the fate of our future. I'll tell you what, God has done his part. It's really up to you. What are you going to do with what you know? Revelations 20, 11 through 15. I'm going to wrap up with this passage. It says, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in these books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. So understand death and Hades, you know, the devil and all, they were all thrown into the lake of fire. This is known as the second death. Death after life, right? And it says, verse 15, anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. I'm talking thrown into, this isn't just like, well, just mosey on your way, like out away from me, a complete separation. So understand in this passage, it says only those whose names were written in the book of life. So Jesus is our only hope for ensuring that our name is written in the book of life. Right? He's our reassurance of our resurrection and he is the hope of new life and um, that the next life will be full of his presence and full of his goodness. Or the opposite is true for those who reject him. So we have to understand Hebrews 6, it talks about a resurrection. We can be promised that there'll be a resurrection because Jesus raised from the dead. We can understand that there is going to be an internal judgment. He's going to separate the sheep from the goats, those who are his and those who are against him. And that fate is going to be sealed by what you choose to do today and in this lifetime. So today I want to conclude really by getting you to ask the question, what are you going to do with what you now know? It's really up to you. Like, what are you going to do with this? Are you, what are you going to do with this man named Jesus? Can you stand up with me? Oh, man, I, I really don't want you to, <laughs> I mean, I guess if you go to this church, you're not going to get to heaven and be like, hey man, nobody ever told me about this. Not here. Now, part of my heart is not to scare you into heaven. But if God wants to use that, I'm cool with that. To get your attention. To get you to come to your senses. I'm going to challenge you. Make a choice today. What are you going to do? It says today is the day of salvation. You can rest assured that, man, I'll be welcomed into heaven. But I tell you what, if you don't have the ticket blood stamped with the blood of Jesus on it and you don't use that as your admittance into heaven you will not be welcomed in it's that simple can I get some of our prayer teams to come forward so I I know there may be some in the room that don't know God and man I challenge you get that right before you go 
Then there may be some in the room that maybe you've wandered. Maybe you just really haven't been at the place that you need to be. And, and, and you really, you know, understand that you're going to be held accountable for what you've done, like from the line of salvation forward. And, and God is really calling you to be more, to accomplish more, to be faithful with what you have. If you got one talent in your hand and that's what he's given you and you're still holding one talent and you have not multiplied that, what are you doing with the time you have been given? All right? Isn't it crazy that these are basics? It's really simple. But what we want to do as, as we conclude this series, don't be tripped up over these simple things. Know what repentance from dead works looks like. Know what faith towards Christ is. Right? Know, know, know what um, ba- the baptisms are all about, the laying on of hands, the eternal judgment. and be, Understand that the resurrection is going to happen. It's going to be okay. Eternal judgment is okay, but I'm also going to be held accountable what I do or don't do. So I'm going to pray over you and I'm going to dismiss you. And man, if you need to get right with the Lord, you need to deal with something. And and you'll know if if you're like, oh man, like I need to get right like right now. Like if Jesus came back right now, I'd be really worried. But understand as a follower of Jesus, sin can be covered. Right? But how many of you know when you confess that sin, sometimes it just makes you feel a little bit closer and right before God, right? So I just want to challenge you, get right so you don't get left. (laughs) Get right so you don't meet the wrong destination and say, oh no, what happened? You got one of two options. But Jesus provides a way out. All right, let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for each one here this morning and Lord, I thank you for your word and what you've shown us and what you're showing us and what you've taught us. Um, Lord, I pray that Father, we wouldn't be fearful and we wouldn't be uncertain, but God, we would know what it is that's coming. I really want to challenge you before you leave to answer the question, who are you going to serve? What are you going to do with this man named Jesus? And are you ready to give an account before God if you died right now? You still got time. You still have this moment. You still have breath in your lungs. You still got a heartbeat. But you got to make sure all of that stuff is situated before the end. So Holy Spirit, I just release you to draw hearts, to uh, cause conviction of sin or not knowing you. Whatever it is, Father, I pray that um, you would just do the work that only you can do. Lord, I thank you that, uh, Lord, I hope many, many in this room know you. And Father, we can rest assured that after this life, man, it's going to be great. Experiencing your presence, being welcomed into your presence. But Father, for those that maybe don't know you in the room, God, that they'd make that choice today. That before they leave, they would get that right. Man, because it sure would be, (laughs) be a shame to maybe be nervous or to be worried about people watching or seeing and that caused us to meet to completely miss heaven father i pray we'd be bold and courageous and that we would just be obedient to what you're leading us to as we go from this place god go with us and father i ask that you would just take our lives and make it all that you want it to be i bless each one here and lord i pray for an awesome week full of knowing you and full of destiny purpose and plan in jesus name we pray Thank you for joining us today. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. 
If you'd like to know more about our family, follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash HTC Bay City or find us on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.